Our first reading tonight is from the book of Proverbs, the eighth chapter. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud, to you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the waters, when he established the foundations of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament reading is recorded in the book of Acts, the second chapter. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, And of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, 
The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Would you please rise for the reading of the gospel lesson? The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If if I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Arguments. Make us uncomfortable, and yet we still get into them. Arguments can be dramatic, They can be emotional, and there's not always only right or wrong at stake. Sometimes maybe a relationship hangs in the balance. Thinking about arguments, it it got me thinking about uh, Hamilton, the the Broadway musical, and I think think this is only the third reference I've made to Hamilton in a sermon, maybe the fourth, so forgive me. But... um, in, 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 I think it's like the, the, the second song, Aaron Burser, Alexander Hamilton has just landed in New York. He, he's starting to try and make some new friends, and, and he meets Aaron Burr at a pub. And while he's there, he also meets John Lawrence and Hercules Mulligan and Marquis de Lafayette. And they start talking and, and sharing dreams and ideas about, about what this nation could possibly be. 
They start getting going. They start, they start really getting, getting loud and excited. And Burr thinks that they're too loud and they're going to get themselves caught if, if some British spy might hear them. And finally, this new guy Hamilton says, if you stand for nothing, Burr, what do you fall for? And the gauntlet is dropped. And, and, and with that phrase, with that argument, it sets up the rest of the story that, of course, culminates in the duel between Burr and Hamilton, which will kill Hamilton. Words get thrown back and forth. Words get weaponized. I always say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I've got wounds from words that are still healing, broken bones from when I was in second grade of long ago healed. Words can hurt you call me this, I'm going to call you that. You accuse me of this, I'm going to accuse you of that. And in our reading in John 8, we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of a growing, heated argument. To give a little backstory to, to get to where our reading was, Jesus had, had declared himself the light of the world. The people who were, who were gathered, they accuse him of lying. Jesus tells them that he's not lying. In fact, he cannot lie. That he tells them only what the Father tells him. And then this is so interesting. It, it jumped out at me this week. It says, Jesus says to some of those there who began to believe in him, right? There was a group of these people who began to believe that maybe he was the real deal. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and the truth will set you free. And this group of people who had started to believe in him all of a sudden go, whoa, 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 free? We're sons of Abraham. We have never been slaves of anyone, which is, is one of the most inaccurate statements ever made. Like remember Egypt? Remember that part of, of our history, Israel? But they get, they, they get very, very upset about Jesus telling them that they are enslaved to something. And, and Jesus says, okay, it's, it's, it's not to a someone that you are a slave of, but everyone is a slave to sin. But the Son can truly set you free from sin. I speak what I have seen of my Father. You do what you've heard from your father. What, what, what is this talk about fathers? They say, our father is Abraham. Jesus replies, if you were truly Abraham's children, you'd act like it. You'd do the things that he did. And yet you want to kill me because I've told you the truth. I mean, this is getting heated. And then Jesus says, if God were your father, you would love me. No, Jesus says, your father is the devil. Gauntlet dropped. He says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason you don't hear me, the reason you don't understand the words I'm saying is because you are not of God. That all happened before our reading. And the Jews responded, you are 
Who do you think you are, Jesus, right? That, that often comes into play in, in heated uh, arguments, in heated conversations where, where you feel a little bit higher than the person you're arguing with and you want to put them in their place. What do you really know about this? You don't know as much as I do. You think you know more than me? That's the tone that the Jews take at this point. And the Jews responded, tell us the truth. You're nothing but a demon-possessed Samaritan. That doesn't sound like much there. But when they called him a Samaritan, think of the worst racial slur that you could possibly think of. And you might be getting close to what they were saying. The Jews had no regard for Samaritans. And so to call a fellow Jew a Samaritan was extremely derogatory. They were saying, you're a half-breed. You're a lowlife that we would never allow into the temple. Admit it. This wasn't only a flippant slur. It was actually an accusation. You are speaking against God, Jesus. You are speaking against God's chosen people, Jesus. You are speaking against our father Abraham, Jesus. The only answer to this is you are possessed by a demon. You tell us our father is the devil? You're nothing but a demon-possessed Samaritan. Back and forth, the words get thrown. I love that Jesus doesn't even address the Samaritan comment. He just says, no, I don't have a demon. In fact, you dishonor the Father by dishonoring me. It's so hard to have good, productive arguments. And not, not all arguments are bad, right? There is a healthy way to go through conflict. And when you go through conflict in a healthy way, a lot of times both parties grow but you can't have a good, productive argument when things get so emotional. But Jesus seems to be keeping his head. But at the same time, he doesn't back down. He continues to speak the truth clearly. I think it's in the ears of the hearers that things get muddled and cloudy. The truth that Jesus speaks really throughout the entire chapter is, is about the importance of the word of God. And, and that's, that's a theme throughout all of John's gospel. He tells them again, he said, if you keep my word, not only will it make it free, like back in verse 32, but if you keep my word, you will never die. Now that sets his opponents off even more. What are you, what are, what are you talking about? You'll never die if, if, if we keep your word because our father Abraham, he kept God's word and he's dead. The prophets, they kept God's word, they're dead. So what in the world are you saying, Jesus? And those are actually good points because those are true. Abraham and, 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 and the other fathers and the prophets had died. 
We heard in our reading from Acts about, about David talked about, about uh, corrupt, not, corruption, not see, not, uh, his body not seeing corruption. And Peter says, he's dead and buried. We know where his grave is. But David knew that he was talking about someone greater, another promise. Jesus is trying to get these people somewhere deeper. Get them to something beyond physical death to get them some time beyond what we know as time. And so Jesus points back to the truth of God and in the truth of God's word. He says, in God's word, we learn that God alone is worthy of glory. And it's the Father that glorifies the Son. The Son does not seek glory from himself. So when you ask me if I'm trying to say that I'm greater than Abraham, I'm not not going to honor that with a response because I'm not going to glorify myself. But if the Father glorifies the Son, that says something about who the Son is. And then we get these these two whiz-bang statements that Jesus makes. And the first one is this. Your father Abraham rejoiced that that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews' minds are exploding at this point. You and our father Abraham knew each other. Not only are you demon possessed, but you're crazy too. This guy isn't even 50 years old and he's telling us that Abraham knew him? Like, like this, this doesn't make any sense. But there is a huge, huge truth that Jesus is revealing here. Maybe Abraham was given some kind of exalted vision of future things. Among rabbinic folklore of that time, it was said that he did. Maybe Abraham was, was somehow watching from on high, which, which is probably least likely. But maybe, just maybe, Abraham actually knew Jesus because Abraham knew the word of God. And at the beginning of John's gospel, John tells us that Jesus is that word who was with God from the beginning, who was God from the beginning. Jesus is trying to bring them into an understanding, spelling out his eternal presence. And the Jews did not like this answer, even if they were able to grasp any of it at all. But no, Jesus isn't trying to win an argument. He's trying to direct his hearers in the paths of righteousness, in the way of love. He wants them to know who he is so that they will know the truth and so that truth can set them free from sin. Guys, I I am the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham, Jesus is saying. When things got hard for Abraham, Believing in this promise is what kept him going and what caused him to be glad and rejoice. When for all of those years after God made the promise to him, when he and Sarah still did not conceive, Abraham thought about this promise that God made to him. 
when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, it was holding on to this promise that God made to him that he would be fruitful and that through him all nations would be blessed. Abraham believed the covenant promise that God made to him. And that covenant promise is fulfilled in Jesus. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He's not done. Take note of what happens next. He says this, in all truth, I tell you that before Abraham was, I am. This is powerful, powerful stuff. I love the way that the tenses get mixed up and make your brain twist because Jesus wants you to really think about it. Before Abraham was, I am. If this statement that Jesus made is true, which it is, but if the statement that Jesus made isn't true, it's blasphemy. Jesus speaks the unspeakable name of God, the name that was revealed to Moses by God. Remember, Moses sees the, the burning bush and he says, who shall, I, who shall I say sent me? And God speaks out of the bush. He says, I am that I am. Tell them that I am sent me, sent you. So not only does Jesus speak this unspeakable name of God, but he actually equates the unspeakable name of God with himself. Jesus is not only the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham by God, he is the eternal second person of the Trinity. He is God himself. Before Abraham was, before he was even a thought, before he was a dream, before he was a prayer of his parents, before he even came into being, Jesus is. Note that Jesus, that, that Jesus doesn't say, I was before Abraham. He says, I am before Abraham, present tense and continuing. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the God who was and is and is to come. In talking about Jesus, sometimes people will say, well, why wouldn't Jesus just come out and say that he was God? He did, right here. If you don't believe me, look at the way that the crowd responded. They picked up stones to stone him, to kill him, which is the punishment for blasphemy. They knew that part of the scriptures. The argument has now blown into full rage. Brothers and sisters, who do you worship? This knowledge is so important. It, 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 it's more than knowledge. It's, it's the key to understanding who Jesus truly is and what he has done for you and me. It's the key to knowing the God who stands above all else. This, this is our God. 
The God who's willing to stand in and, and answer objections so that we will know the truth. The God who is the very truth that sets people free. The God who tasted death and overcame it so that we might truly live. The God who reveals himself so that we might know him. And he has always shown himself to be God. The great I am. And so we are left with a choice. We can worship a God of our own understanding, like the crowd wanted to do. Or we can worship the God that's revealed in Jesus. The Jesus who knew Abraham before he was ever born of a virgin. The Jesus who is glorified by the Father. The Jesus who wants to be known by all. He is the great eternal I am who alone is worthy of our worship and our praise. And it's for his glory and our good. Amen.